Hi, everyone. Yeah, there are some boomers and Gen X people that you don't have to clap back at with. Okay, boomer. There are people of other ages who feel just the same way that you do. Cynthia is 59 and a half, and this is an interview with her. And she thought she could never buy a home. Does that sound familiar? She lives like a millennial. She travels. She's single. She drinks wine. She loves her music. She eats organic food. And she's been changing careers her entire life. So how did she buy a home? Let's find out. What is happening my How to Buy a Homies? This is a really great interview, and it's got tons of life lessons and things for buyers of any age. Cynthia is going to tell you her story, and you're going to learn tips and tricks and scary things that you want to avoid. All of that comes from her story. Listen close, and you're going to hear real-life lessons on these topics. Staying in your budget and being able to sleep at night when you find out what your new payment's going to be. Learn the truth about those first-time buyer seminars brought to you by local realtors and local lenders. How you can do this on your own, not having to wait for an inheritance that might not come for a lot of years. Cynthia's dad's 90 and still kicking. You're going to learn about Cynthia researching and educating herself to help block out the haters. All the other boomer friends she had out there telling her not to touch her retirement. And she figured out even at 59 and a half years old, when she ran the numbers for herself, instead of listening to everybody else and their old fearful philosophies, she saw the long-term benefits of diversifying her portfolio. You're also going to hear about finding a comparable monthly payment close to her rent payment on a $221,000 home that's going to work for her for the rest of her life, the home and the payment. You're going to hear about working with her own realtor and lender that got referred by her friend and then double checking that she was in good hands by getting educated from the podcast to ensure she had a unicorn team that she could lean on for experienced, caring advice. We're going to hear about buying in hipster neighborhoods where they have shops just that do mustache waxing. We're also going to find some interesting tidbits about HOA assessments and reserves. That's some important stuff. Answer to the question, how many homes do you need to see before you know? And how do you fight through the low inventory market that's happening right now? And how do you shop in the wintertime when it's freezing outside? And then once you do figure it out, how do you know that you're comfortable and making sure that this purchase is right for you and understanding how not to be house poor? Some of the things that she talks about is possibly having to adjust your wish list a little bit because we've got a rising market with rising interest rates. And to get your foot in the door, sometimes you might have to use the C word, do a little bit of compromise. And if you're really not comfortable, you're also going to hear a story about backing out of a deal. And finally, she talks about using the podcast to stay energized, enthusiastic, and inspired to help her through the tough times. So it's time to hear straight from the buyer, just like you, who's been through this experience. And you can get real life tips from an actual real person who's been through it. Okay, podcast listeners, this is very exciting. This is my friend, Cynthia, and she's more in my age demographic than yours. Most of you probably. We've got a great partnership with these podcasts called CityCast that are all over the country. And this was a CityCast in Chicago, right, Cynthia? Yes. Yeah. So you heard the advertisement and you've been thinking about this for quite a long time, right? Yes. I have always thought I could never buy a home myself. I'm almost 60 years old and I 
just thought it was beyond my financial capacity. And I can explain why if you want me to. (laughs) Sure. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people seem to think that when they're in their 20s, that they don't have enough of their life together and they want to do things and they want to travel. And I know that you've lived all over the place, including all over the world. So tell us your story and why you never ended up buying a home, but decide to do it now. Okay. So what happened was when I was younger, I was always told that you had to have like $50,000 saved up or something like that saved up. Even 15,000 seemed just insurmountable to me. I've always worked editorial jobs. I never made a lot of money. And even though I'm well-educated, I consider myself a professional. I've always lived kind of hand to mouth waiting for the next paycheck. Welcome to the world of academia. It happens when you're smart. Well, similar. Yeah, very similar. And then also I took time out in my 30s. I went to grad school in my 40s. I moved to Spain for a while. And then in my 50s, I went into a new field called content strategy, which most of the work I found was contract. So it wasn't like a steady job with full-time benefits. It was hourly without paid vacation or health insurance. So I always felt that I would never be able to get a mortgage. And at two different times in my life, I went to how to buy a home seminars that were led by realtors and they were free and everything. And both times I came away very discouraged that you don't have enough money, you won't be able to get a mortgage. And I hate to say this, but I think I'm going to be very honest and tell you that I figured I won't be able to buy a place while my parents are alive. The only way I'll be able to buy is if they leave me some money which is terrible. My mom passed and my dad's still alive, but he didn't give me any money when she passed. And I'm not going to be like waiting for him to die. So I think probably other people can relate to that feeling like there's nothing in the bank. But meanwhile, all these years, I have had an IRA building up and it's not a lot of money. As I said, I'm almost 60. I am not in a position where I could retire soon. But hopefully I'll continue to work for a while. I'll build it some more. And then if I do get a chance to retire, if my health allows me to retire, I will have more by then. But in the meantime, I'm still healthy and I'm planning on working. So what happened was last fall, finally, after 10 years of freelancing in this new field, I was offered a full-time job actually last summer with benefits and I took it. And actually the pandemic ended up helping me because I got a job in a different city and they told me before the pandemic, we would have never considered hiring a full-time remote worker, but it's been working out so well with remote work that we would be willing to offer you a job, even though you don't even live in the same time zone. They're an hour, they're on East Coast time, I'm on Central. I started thinking and the wheel started to turn. I wonder if I could get a mortgage now. And the thing is, I'd been in my apartment for seven years. I was always very jealous when I heard about people buying. And during the pandemic, I knew that the house search was really tight. The housing market was really tight. I think it was people wanting to move to the suburbs, not so much people in the city. People wanting to move in the suburbs to be spread out. Later on, I did find out that it was the city too. But that was after I started searching. But anyway, I happened to know... A former neighbor of mine, I'd met her realtor friend socially. So I asked her if she knew anybody who, like a mortgage broker, who could tell me if I could qualify for a mortgage. And when the mortgage broker saw my financial statements, my W-4s, 
what I had in the bank for my IRA and what I had saved. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention. During the last year before I became full-time, I was working at a freelance job where I was hourly, but I was really highly paid hourly. So I just sucked the money away. I never thought this is going to go toward a down payment. What I did think was you could be out of work again, because that's how my employment situation has been. It's been like get highly paid for six months, then be out of work for three. (laughs) So I was able to save $20,000 in a year. I didn't go out. I didn't spend, I don't own a car. I lead a pretty modest life and I don't even have cable TV, but I do have some amenities. I like wine. I like music. (laughs) So it's not like I live a monastic life. I go and buy organic produce and things. So my point is I wasn't living like ramen noodles. I know you've talked about like people (laughs) and macaroni and cheese out of a box for a year. I mean, I did. Okay. I put this money away. And then when I talked to the mortgage broker and they saw my financials, they said, well, not only, and I said, I put $50,000 down because by then I decided that I was going to take my savings and I was also going to take some money out of my retirement because this is really a solid thing. I'm not taking it out to buy a car. I'm taking it out to buy a home. It's equity. And at that time, the mortgage rates were still low last fall. It was like, they said, we could get you a mortgage for 2.4, 2.5. And If you're going to put 40 or $50,000 down, it sounded great. And I started looking and that's how it began. Okay. So there are so many things to unpack out of that. (laughs) Amazing. First of all, you need to know that you're living millennial Gen Z life. So when you said monastic, not even close, you don't have a car. You traveled in your twenties and thirties a lot. You don't have cable. Guess what, Cynthia? None of the kids do either. So, and you're drinking wine. So you are, (laughs) I told you when we first contacted that you were a free spirit and I liked you, but you're more young at heart than you think you are, but you brought up so many things. It's fantastic. You brought up so many things, the travel. What I tell the younger people is I just did an entire episode about how I would have bought a home in my twenties if I had a time machine and had told myself what to do. And the market would have gone down, but I still could have traveled and rented it out and be sitting here on 25 years worth of equity. So that's always an option. And the other thing that was really interesting is you brought up, and I appreciate you being vulnerable and saying that your parents, but in a funny way that 20 year olds, 30 year olds, even 40 year olds, they're kind of, they're in the same boat. It's just maybe doesn't feel as close to them. They're like, I can't ask my parents for money they're still funding their retirement or that money is going to come to me later. So you're really an inspiration helping people figure out, okay, if I know I'm not getting a chunk of money now, what do I do? So then you reached out to me in the beginning of this year after you went to those fun seminars where they, uh, (laughs) gosh, it's so terrible because they make you feel like a number. They're basically casting a wide net, hoping that out of the 20 people that show up, three or four of them are ready to buy this weekend. And I always laugh because it's like, we're going to tell you how to buy a home if you have the money and you could buy it today. They don't give you the plan. So you reached out to me in January, told me your whole story. And then all of a sudden, the other day, I got the email and you are sitting in your home right now, correct? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, it oh. is a condo. It's not a house, but it's mine. It's still a home. It's still a home. Yeah, it's a home. And it's yours. And yes. so the remote thing worked out for you because you realize that 
first of all, kudos for, I mean, being one of those people who at 50, like started a career. That's amazing. (laughs) Everyone, I tell everyone all the time, I'm like, you're young. It's going to change three or four times. So now you're in a condo. So using your retirement and now you can use this as stability for you. So what happened? You reached out to me in January. What happened since then? You got this little team of people that you felt very comfortable with and then tell us your journey. Okay, so I did work with my friends or my former neighbor's realtor friend. She was very nice and she also seemed to be pretty knowledgeable. Like the first place we went, she asked about reserves. I didn't know what reserves were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fund that the building has to pay for common things like if the roof needs to be replaced or it affects everyone in the building. Yeah, for the listeners out there, the HOAs have an account. And you're basically making sure that like if you're paying two or three hundred dollars a month in HOAs, if they suddenly have to fix the roof and they don't have any money for it. Next thing you know, you get every condo owner's worst word an assessment. (laughs) And suddenly they say, we need five grand from everybody. So checking the reserves is a huge part to make sure that they've got their budget right. So great. So you found someone who knew what they were doing. You'd been listening to the podcast. So you know what knew what to look for when you're looking for an agent and So keep going. Okay, sure. Well, unfortunately, between the first few places I saw in October, November, where I wasn't ready yet, and every place I saw there was something wrong and the neighborhood wasn't right. And there were just things that I think I wasn't ready. I think I needed to see a whole bunch. I ended up seeing 20 before. But what happened was December and in January, there was nothing on the market. And I live in Chicago. It's cold. I was told by my real estate agent that the market here officially kicks off the day after the Super Bowl, which is like, what, February, beginning of February? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that. I used to tell people at the beginning of my career that it was second week of January. And over the last six or seven years, I'm in California. I've been hearing that from all my unicorns where people actually care about football and stuff. (laughs) that it's after the Super Bowl. But it has a lot to do with the weather as well. Even though February is freezing, people don't put it up. That's so crazy. Okay, so after the Super Bowl, you got busy. I think we talked on January 28th, right before the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think what happened was I was starting to get really scared because there was nothing on the market. And there had been things on the market. And then my realtor, she changed. Like in the beginning, she was all really positive. And then she was like, well, you know, it's a seller's market. So you're going to have to either change your neighborhood that you want to live in or the amount of space you want or the amount you're willing to pay per month. Those are the factors you can control. Everything else you can't control, like the market. So then I started hearing how it's a seller's market. People are paying over offer. They're putting extra 15,000 and the mortgage rates went up. Whereas before they had told me it would be 2.5. Now it was like five. So I got really scared. And also I knew I had to move out of my place because my landlord wanted to rehab the apartment. And I was the last unit in the rental building that hadn't been renovated. And they tried to get me into another apartment and I would have paid more. And I'm like, no, I'm going to wait until I'm ready to go. And But my lease was up on August 1st. I started to panic. And I think what happened was during the course of this, my journey led me to a different neighborhood than I originally thought. Like at first we were looking, my realtor and I were looking in the neighborhoods that were somewhat nearby. Then I wanted to live in a trendier neighborhood called Logan Square, which is further south in Chicago, closer 
I don't know if it's closer to downtown because it's further west, but it has all these like cute boutiques and hipster neighborhood. You see yeah. like places where guys can get their mustaches waxed. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's just a very like exotic tea. Like it's not your working class barbershop kind of people have been there yeah. for 50 years. It's in the midst of gentrification. And that neighborhood's really cute. And I did look at things there and they were really expensive, more than I thought I could pay. And so my realtor was sort of nudging me to go up a little bit, like another 10,000, another 20,000 until I think I told you this, I made an offer on a place that was 100,000 more than I originally planned to spend. And my offer was accepted because we paid an extra 16,000 to make the offer really good. It was accepted. And then my realtor had me speak to a real estate lawyer just to make sure everything was okay. And he asked me, are you going to be able to sleep at night in this place? Or are you going to be worrying about money? And I said, I'm going to be worrying about money. Isn't that normal? And he's like, no, no. (laughs) You might want to give this a second thought. And as soon as he said that, I knew I had to back out of it. It was the first five days after the initial offer. So it wasn't like I was backing out in the middle of everything. The wheels were moving. It was really still the very beginning. So I came home and I just knew immediately what to do. And I think I might have talked it over with one or two people. And then I called the realtor and I said, I can't do this. It's just way more than I initially. I mean, the whole thing in the beginning was that it wouldn't have been that much more than I was paying in rent. That's why it was appealing to me. Because it would yeah. be like an extra maybe 500 more per month, which is really not that much. 250 per paycheck if you get paid twice a month. So it's not yeah. like I was going to be like, how am I going to pay for toilet paper this month? <laughs> and I was so afraid if I had taken that other place, I wouldn't have any money to decorate. I wouldn't have any money to like make the place nice. I mean, it also it had two beds and two baths. And I didn't need that second bath. I mean, it would have been nice when people come over, but I just wanted two beds because one bed would become the room I'm in now, which is slash office slash guest room. But one bathroom and one kitchen is fine. And this place actually has a little bit of a back deck, which in Chicago is really people make it into their little garden. They put chairs and sometimes plants. And even though we don't have the same weather as you guys where it's nice all year, we People do make the most of the warm months here. So I am so glad that I backed out of that other place. And then we looked at like five more places. And I should also mention that at some point I realized I'm not going to be able to afford a place in Logan Square. And I started to expand to where I would consider living. And finally, when I did that, this place came up. It had everything I was looking for. It wasn't the most glamorous neighborhood. There's no coffee shop. It's like auto body stores around the corner. But there is a plant store a few blocks away. So that my fake millennial credentials. I like plants. Um, (laughs) So and it's near public transit. So, yeah, it's dog friendly and I have two of them. So that was a big deal moving out of your rental. I remember we discussed that you were seeing rents increase and realizing that if you get something close to your rent, it was great for you to be able to be able to because as an owner, most condo places are going to be okay with dogs. They have much, much less restrictive breed restrictions than you would with a landlord who can make up their own. Oh, yes. Yep. Yep. And I have to say that during the times when there was very little on the market over the winter, and I was really getting scared, your podcast gave me so much hope. 
it really did. The moral. So, and your energy, it was so nice. Like I would listen to it when I needed a shot of adrenaline. When I was going to go out with my real estate agent, look at five places. And I was like, oh no, what if none of them are right? I would listen first and I would get excited again about what I was doing. It really, really made oh. me feel better. And like there was hope. <laughs> I tell people all the time, if you're renting for whatever the rent is in your area, it's not a matter of if you can buy a home, it's when. And there are so many things about it. People are, you weren't necessarily thinking about this for 20 years. It would have been different every single time. What's hysterical is you got started at the end of a perfect era, November, December of last year. Then you ran into, so everybody knows every December, the market slows down. And in your cold areas, it definitely slows down in January. Of course, that has to do with the holidays. Yeah. Starting Thanksgiving in America, a lot of people just stop listing their houses. They're entertaining people. They're getting the house ready. So it just stops. Nobody wants to show homes at that time. And in January, it's freezing in a lot of places. And that's why we go after the Super Bowl. But then I've been telling everyone, January 2022 was the lowest inventory in history. And that was when you happened to be like, wait, where are all the houses? And yes. so you and your realtor, I say on the podcast, it's the C word. You're going to have to compromise and figure it out. But you had to adjust not just to your own budget, but to what was actually happening in January 2022 when you were out there. And I love that. I think one of the listeners told me that there in 2022, there are three P's. It's patience, persistence, and perseverance. And mm -hmm. so I'm just trying to make sure I give everyone... Those adrenaline shots, that's awesome to hear. And yeah. how neat that your attorney, that you had a really strong team to help kind of give you the vision. Oh, yes, yes. No, I am so grateful that I talked to him because, I mean, it was a nice place, but my realtor was more excited about it than I was. And the first thing I said to her when she called me to say we got the offer was, I said the F word, foreclosure. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what's going to happen if I have to foreclose? Yeah. And she goes, oh, then you sell it. I mean, that was yeah. all I could think of. I wasn't excited. I was too, I was afraid. I knew I was going to be stretched to the max and I need to have some money to do other things besides pay for a yeah. mortgage. It's just not worth it. And also the place where this was, it wasn't that great of a neighborhood either. It wasn't that far from yeah. the expressway and you could hear the traffic. And I was like, why well, should pay a hundred thousand more for this? So yeah. Well, it's interesting because you were talking about $500 a month being enough for you to be comfortable. And $100,000 with today's rates, that's about $600, $650 for everything, for principal interest taxes and insurance. So now instead of paying 500 more, you're paying 11 or 1200 more than you're used to. That's why taking it all in, discovering everything, discovering all the other neighborhoods, you go big and then you kind of narrow down to where you want to be. And now you're here and you're comfortable. Yeah. And the real estate agent also said something that I'm mean, not the real estate agent. The lawyer said that there's no guarantee the taxes will stay as they are. They're probably going to go up and the HOA fee is going to go up. This monthly assessment yes. is also going to go up. So you're not even going to be paying what, 2100 a month it would have been. It's going to be more. And even though yeah. over time, I know that the mortgage part will go down, I still was like, no, I mean, there's just no way I won't be able to buy toothpaste. Yeah. <laughs> just like, forget it. So anyway. Well, it's really smart because it is, especially the younger people who are listening, who are thinking about this, realize that Cynthia went through years and years and years of renting. 
And I did the same thing for over a decade. And I hate to be this guy. And don't you dare call me a boomer, you listeners out there. (laughs) But you can learn from us because everybody on the Internet, on social media, talking to you guys is another millennial or Gen Z real estate agent who just got their license. And they've been renting just as long as you have, and they have no idea. And what we can tell you is when you get there, get comfortable and you're going to let it grow. It's very interesting. You were talking about your work status and how that was kind of holding you back for a little while. It is true. What I tell people all the time is I don't have health benefits. I'm a 1099 guy and all us realtors are too. And I don't want people to let them think that has to be a stopgap, an obstacle for you. I was going to say stepping stone, but it's the exact opposite. For you... Stumbling block or obstacle. Yeah, stumbling block. There you go. Thank you. I do words for a living. (laughs) For you, there was that time period where you were up and down and up and down. And if I had started the podcast 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when podcasts first started, then maybe we would have found each other because one of the things I tell people is it does go as an average. If you've been a 1099 or a self-employed person or an hourly person, if you over the last two years, you make the right average, they can approve you just like they can approve when you got your stable, complete salary job. So and now here you are in your condo in Chicago. Thanks again, CityCast, for getting my Chicago people in here. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you got your pumps of adrenaline now. For all those young little whippersnappers out there who are getting ready to do this, what would you tell them? What do we grownups tell them about things to look for, things to avoid, things to definitely do, things to definitely not do? Give us your best hits. Well, I would say for me, what's really important and what made this the right time was that I was paying for it myself. No one else was helping me, not a parent. I happen to be single, so I don't have a partner that was going to help me. So I knew I could do it, though. I knew I could do it. And that was really important to believe that even if I lost my job tomorrow, I could be out of work for a while and still be able to make the bills and pay. So that was a big thing. I would say the other thing that I learned on my journey was that I did make a lot of compromises and adjustments. Places that in the beginning yeah. neighborhoods that I sort of looked down on. Now I'm kind of glad I'm in a working class neighborhood. Before I yeah. lived around the corner from the Lycée Francais and there were children being trained to speak French and their parents were dropping them off in Teslas. Oh. And now I live near a public school and most of the kids are speaking Spanish and I'm happy here. I don't have to live in a hipster neighborhood and it could change. There's some gentrification, but I kind of like the fact that I didn't pay through the nose to live in a place that's already been gentrified. I'm willing to live in a place that's still kind of, I wouldn't say it's edgy. It's not really edgy. I feel safe here and there are trees and that's what I wanted. I didn't want to be an all pavement. I would say you got to be comfortable with the neighborhood and you got to be able to adjust to things changing in the neighborhood if it does change demographically because Chicago things are changing all the time in this city and it's probably like that in most places and then I would say the other thing was just because I never owned before I did know a lot about finances and real estate and I had people told me don't take the money out of your retirement but I felt like I'm not taking my whole retirement I'm not financing the whole thing. It's just 40,000 of it. And also it's going to something like equity. It's not going to a new car. It's not going for vacation. 
because I'm my age, I was 59 and a half. There was no penalty. So I felt like I bought yeah. it without doing something terrible to my finance, without like taking a big hit. And yeah, everybody's retirement portfolio is down right now. I also think yeah. I would say to people, if you have a creative job, if you're in an industry like you are, Dave, where you don't have a regular job with yeah. benefits, that doesn't mean you can't have good quality of life. Oh, absolutely not. You could find retirement in other ways. Just the fact that you were being right. creative enough to realize that the equity of your house. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, adults of my first time buyer <laughs> clients that my friend's parents, that when we get to that point, when they sell their house, if they're moving to Oregon or Florida or Arizona or whatever, that nest egg there is a large part of retirement, if not more than oftentimes than 401ks and IRAs or yeah. stocks. So mm -hmm. all you did was diversify. I mean, again, I understand some people are going to get their panties in a bunch when we talk to them <laughs> about using their retirement. But if you, Cynthia at 59 and a half figured out that, hey, I'm going to be freelancing and doing my work and I have a retirement there, but you're going to be around for a while, still paying rent for a long time. And now yes. you have an asset. Yeah. Now you put $40,000 into an asset that is going to go down and then go back up yeah. and you're going to be in a great position. And I love what you said about understanding the numbers. I do so many podcasts on my wall here. Where is it? There it is. Believe. You need to believe <laughs> like Ted Lasso in the numbers. <laughs> and if you're comfortable with the numbers, then you can do it. And obviously you had enough of an understanding about it because when it got to, when push came to shove, you realized which is more important to me at this phase in my life, yeah. this hipster neighborhood or financial <laughs> comfort. So like I said, I fell in love the first time that you wrote me an email. I said, I love this lady. You're your own hipster. I have a feeling people are going to come to you. You're going to gentrify the neighborhood. Everyone's going to come and want to see cool Cynthia and her dogs and her wine. Well, I got no tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel naked with my bare skin. So. <laughs> if I'd been born 10 years later, I think I would have. That generation, it was all like people born in the 70s were the Gen X, the tattoo people. But yeah, nobody was getting tattooed when I was a kid, except like the old guys and the sailors and People, yeah. you know. Sailors and bikers. That was it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, there are so many little nuggets in there, and it's so wonderful to hear. And for everybody who says, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this, and I'm gonna, just going to rent forever, I think it's amazing that you found this and really set yourself up with something stable because you're going to have 30, 40 more. How old's dad? 97? He's 90. <laughs> He's 90. Okay, dad's 90. So genetically, you're going to have at least 30 or 40 more years of rent to pay. Now you've got an asset and still able to live your fun life. I'm so excited and so glad that you reached out. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I hope anybody listening feels like who thinks they can't ever do it is I'm living proof that you can. You really can. It might be in a time that's not the greatest market like me. But I wasn't going to let the markets discourage me. I was like, I'll be damned if I rent again. If I move out of this place to another rental because the market sucks. I was like, I'm going to buy no matter what. And I did. Oh, I'm going to bottle that, put that on a t-shirt <laughs> because it's true. It's true. And interest rates will never be as low as they were in 2021 ever again. So it's time to go. Yeah, you just got to do it when you're ready and... 
bite the bullet. And in all the feelings I've had since I moved in, there have been some frustrations with little things like the movers and whatnot. I have never felt regret about doing it. I've never felt like, oh, this was such a mistake or what did I do to my finance? I'm just so happy. And it's kind of like what you said. Some of your listeners have said things like, if only I'd done this sooner. Well, when I start to think like that, I realize, well, I didn't do it for a good reason unstable financial situation or whatever. I was out of work a year and I still believe that there was one day I'm going to do this and I finally just did it. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Yay. I got the goosebumps. I got the goosebumps. (laughs) It's possible. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much and have fun. And the next time I come to my favorite city in the country, I'll be coming to knock by to say hello to you and the dogs. Thanks. Again. Oh, thank you. All right. All righty. Still got those goose pimplies. I got to tell you, I am so inspired, so inspired by Cynthia. She is amazing. I mean, I never guessed that <laughs> when this whole thing started, my salty desire to expose the real estate industry for the crappy way that they treat first time home buyers would create such a straight up heartwarming and positive result. Not just for Cynthia, but for people all over the country. When it comes down to it, first-time homebuyers just need to know the truth. And they need to realize that so much of the information out there they get is bogus or it's salesy or it's just freaking wrong. So help us spread the word. If you haven't shared this with your friends and family who need to hear this, share the podcast right now. Really easy to do. You can text it right from your phone. Share it off. I always appreciate everyone out there rating the pod. And if you got 94 seconds, I'd love for you to write a quick review. Those words really count a lot. That's going to get the truth out there for other people who are confused about this entire process. Follow me at David Sedoni on Instagram for more tips. Check me out on TikTok at how to buy a home if you want to see the goofy side of me. I know this is the serious side of me. Did that shock you? Uh, And don't forget to check out the YouTube page at the How to Buy a Home podcast, at How to Buy a Home podcast. Full videos along with a whole bunch of bonus features, tips, and hacks. The show's for you, so check everything out. Get comfortable. Get educated. If you're listening to the podcast, jump around those titles. Scroll through your phone. And, of course, you can always explore everything How to Buy a Home at the How to Buy a Home website. That's www howtobuyahome.com. That's for you readers out there. You can read every podcast. Although why would you when you could be listening to my dulcet tones? Now, Cynthia thought that it wasn't possible. I'm not selling pipe dreams here and I'm not selling workshops and seminars to get myself rich so you can go out and do something that people have been doing for decades anyway. Dreams, calling this a dream would be saying that this is something that's unattainable, that's not real. This is possible, and Cynthia is living proof. With the right team and the right guidance and the right attitude, you can do this.